to take what's mine. I shall return and judge the living and the dead. It won't be long that I'll be coming back to this world and bring the past. class here this evening, and you are here to witness it. <laughs> so we turn our Bibles to Romans chapter 16, verse 17. A lot of ground to cover. I almost didn't sing a song at the beginning because I have so much ground to cover. But uh, Romans chapter 16, verse 17 is where I want you to be. And uh, this, this, as I said in the uh, introduction, or the, um, the uh, general outline, the overview of Romans 16, there's not a lot of places... We're going to be able to fly through this chapter 16 because there's not a lot of places where there's a lot of doctrine taught. Well, verses 16, Romans 16, 17, and 18 have a lot of doctrine in them. And it talks about, uh, Paul in these verses, especially this evening, we'll study in Romans 16, 17. He warns the Roman Christians to watch out for and to avoid those Christians, or even unbelievers, that cause divisions and temptations contrary to the doctrine that the Roman believers have been taught by their pastors and, of course, the Apostle Paul in this epistle. And as we'll see, uh, see tonight, uh, the, in particular, in context, Paul's addressing the Judaizers. However, there are many applications we can derive from this and uh, we can apply in our own church and also uh, whatever church you belong to, if you're just listening in tonight. Uh, these are uh, principles that we'll be talking about false teaching and watching out for people who cause divisions and... Uh, it all stems from their attitude toward the Word of God, Bible doctrine. So this will be a very, very important class for uh, our, our church to uh, to hear 
and uh, for all Christians for that matter to hear. So without further ado, let's take a moment of silent prayer to prepare ourselves to hear the teaching of the Word of God, which involves applying 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins to the Father, He, God the Father, is faithful and just to forgive us our sins with the result that He purifies us from each and every wrongdoing. Paul taught the same principle using different language in 1 Corinthians 11. He talks about judging the body rightly, and believers in Corinth were not doing that. They weren't confessing their sins, and therefore they were under divine discipline, warning, uh, intensive, and then uh, dying discipline. And uh, he mentions that in, as the, because of their ad, poor attitude and conduct at the Lord's table. And they didn't confess their sins, and then eventually they were some of them died the sin unto death. And that's part of God's disciplining believers. And uh, we're in His family, and He disciplines just like our heavenly parents uh, disciplined us, so our heavenly uh, our earthly parents disciplined us, so our heavenly Father disciplines us as well as believers. So this is a uh, this is a very important time. Once you've done that, apply First John one nine. Then we maintain that fellowship. Remember, confession of sin just restores us to fellowship with God. We have to maintain that fellowship by bringing our thoughts into obedience to the Spirit. We studied that in Romans 8, verses 5 and 6. That constitutes being filled with the Spirit, which is commanded of us in Ephesians 5.18, which is synonymous with obeying the command of Colossians 3.16 to let the Word of Christ richly dwell in our souls. The reason why they're synonymous is both passages reveal the both commands when we obey them reveal the same results, and also the Spirit speaks to us through the teaching of the Word of God. He inspired the Scriptures for that matter. So, if there's anything that's disturbing or distracting to you, do it. First Peter five seven says, "Cast all your anxieties upon the Lord, because He cares for you." So, in the privacy of our very own royal priesthood, with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for another day to study your word, to have fellowship with you, your Son, and the Holy Spirit. Through the teaching of your word, we thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit and making the word of God real and understandable to us and help us, those in the audience, to, to follow the guidance and direction of the Holy Spirit, give grace to the communicator so that he could deliver your full counsel to your people in a fashion that would be pleasing and honoring to you and your Son, Father, and also that would build up and edify the body of Christ. We just thank you for gracing us out and treating us in a manner that we don't deserve and reveal that to everyone in this church and also all the Christians throughout this world that we are saved based upon the merits of another, your son, Jesus Christ. We are blessed because of the merits of another, your son, Jesus Christ and what he did for us at the cross and that we are totally unworthy and we are, of course, uh, fortunately, we are qualified for grace and we just pray that you would help us all to understand that uh, there's none righteous, no, not one, and we're totally saved by your grace and through faith in your Son, Jesus Christ, and blessed in the past, in eternity past, blessed now, and blessed in the future because of that union and identification with your Son. So we thank you and praise you, Father, 
for treating us in grace. And we pray that you would help us to treat each other in grace as well. And love and forgiveness and patience and tolerance toward one another just as you have been toward us through your Son, Jesus Christ. And we pray, Father, that the Holy Spirit would do a mighty work and help us to understand the principles that we'll be noting and the passage we'll be noting in Romans 16, uh, verses 17, and also verse 18 this evening. We pray, Father, that this study would be a great blessing and that, uh, that it would uh, continue to advance uh, your people to spiritual maturity and gain a greater love and appreciation for the Word of God and for your plan for us, Father, the great plan of salvation. So, Father, we pray for these things in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ's name. Amen. As I noted before, we're going to study Romans 16, 17 this evening. And in this passage, we're going to find that the, the Apostle Paul, he warns the Roman believers to watch out for those who cause divisions and temptations contrary to the doctrine they've been taught. And that they were to avoid these individuals. So the principle is, in, these, in this context, as we'll see, he's talking about the Judaizers. We'll have a lot to say about them here this evening. But the application for us would be this, that we are to reject those Christians who reject the Word of God, Bible doctrine. There are Christians who reject the teaching of the Word of God. We're to reject uh, unbelievers who attack the person of Jesus Christ and the authority of the Bible. But Paul's talking about watching out in their fellowship for Christians that teach false doctrine or for pastors that teach the f false doctrine. Paul warned the Ephesian believers before he went off to Jerusalem uh, with, to deliver that gift for the Macedonian churches to the poor saints in Jerusalem. He warned them about false teachers cropping up among themselves. So we're to keep an eye on these, on these individuals who cause divisions and hindrances that are, that are contrary to the teaching of the Word of God. And that means you need to be a student of the Word of God yourself. You have the gift of the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit needs information for us. He uses the Word of God to instruct us and give us discernment as to who's a false teacher and who is not. And so we're to watch out for people like that. We're to avoid Christians who attack the teaching of the Word of God. We're to keep an eye out for these individuals because that's where the attack begins. This is, this is a principle that the devil has instituted from the very beginning with Adam and the woman. What was he attacking first? He was attacking the Word of God. That's what, he will always do that and always will attack the communicator of the Word of God regardless of who he is. It doesn't matter who he is. He's unimportant who he is. What matters is Satan would like to silence those who teach the Word of God pure and unadulterated. And those individuals go through the greatest amount of tax. Not the ones that are involved in the dog and pony show and that are uh, uh, they're, uh, very uh, and not as dedicated to the teaching of the Word of God. No, Satan wants to silence those who are dedicated to the teaching of the Word of God, sold out for, for the Lord Jesus Christ, sold out for the Bible, and as students of the Word of God, serious and conscientious. Satan would like to bring down, he brings down ministries by attacking the Word of God and, of course, the communicator of the Word of God. We are to avoid individuals who do that, who attack the teaching of the Word of God or attack a pastor. And by, by going after the pastor, they're actually attacking uh, the Word of God because Jesus Christ sends the pastor, if you, of course, that's if he's, a, he's a, in fellowship with God, he sends that pastor to teach the Word of God, so to attack him is attacking Jesus Christ who sent him. So we're, to, we're going to find out this evening that Paul is speaking in the context of the Judaizers who dogged his ministry 
throughout uh, his ministry and attacked his teaching of grace. Legalism and religion are antithetical to grace. And, and, and the Bible doctrine, and this is what this is right from the beginning. Jesus Christ was persecuted by the the, uh, the Pharisees, from which the Judaizers originated. They attacked the apostles. Anytime you teach grace, you are going to be attacked by the legalistic religious crowd, because the legalistic religious crowd likes to put on a show. It's hypocrisy that they are love God, yet they could care less about His word. If you you show that you love Jesus Christ by keeping His word. And his word is the Bible, the mind and thinking of Christ. John 14, 15. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And there are many Christians who put on a show. I'm talking Christians here. Who put on a show that they love Jesus Christ and God. and can say all the right terminology, but they reject the teaching of the word of God. They reject the authority of the pastor. They reject the authority of the word of God when they do that. When they reject the authority of a pastor. You're to avoid those individuals. And you've got to make a, up your mind whether you're going to stand with Jesus and stand for the right thing or you're going to compromise and go over to the, uh, the other side that's antagonistic to the Word of God. You have to make a stand. You have to make a choice. And so we are, have to be aware of these things because false teachers will come around. God allows these things to come into our, our these false teachers and false teaching to come into our lives so to test us. This is what he did with Israel. And many Christians fail the test because they're not listening to the Word of God. They're not serious about the Word of God. So when the testing comes, they're not ready. And I've seen that firsthand. I've seen it firsthand when the Christians were told that they were going to be tested and when the test came, they weren't able to handle it because they were not serious about their relationship to the Word of God. And people can talk about how they love Jesus all they want, but they show that they don't love Jesus when they don't know their Bible, when they don't know, they can't rightly divide the Word of Truth, when they can't defend the faith as they're told to in 1 Peter 3.15, and they can't explain the plan of God as you're supposed to, as it says at the end, of Roman, uh, Hebrews chapter 5 they should be teachers of, the, of one another not pastor teachers but able to instruct one another so it's sad when Christians don't know their Bible it's a reflection of their attitude toward Jesus Christ in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God and the word became flesh and dwelt among us Jesus Christ is the living word of God and the Bible is the written word of God so our attitude toward Jesus who sits right now at the right hand of the Father is our attitude toward him is reflected in our attitude toward his word and and hypocrisy says, I love Jesus, but doesn't know anything about the Bible and could care less about obeying what he has to say. They, can, they, they, they fool themselves and they're involved in hypocrisy. We're to watch out for people who reject the teaching of the Word of God. And I'm talking again about Christians. So it says in Romans 16, 17, Now I urge you, brethren... He's talking to believers here. I urge you, brethren, keep your eye on those who cause dissensions and hindrances contrary to the teaching which you learned, and turn away from them. Avoid them. For such men are slaves, not of our Lord Christ, but of their own appetites. And that's an allusion to the Judaizers' strict adherence to the dietary regulations in the law. And they reject the teaching of Jesus Christ, as we saw in our study of Romans 14. Jesus taught in Matthew 7, Mark 7 that all foods you could eat. But they, the Judaizers had rejected that. They wanted to stick to the Mosaic Law, the dietary regulations, which are not applicable to the church age. They were for Old Testament 
Israel. So he says they'd rather obey those things than rather what Jesus Christ taught that you could eat all foods. If Jesus says you can eat all foods, you can eat all foods. For such men, he says in verse 18, this is the reason why they're to avoid these false teachers and those who cause divisions and hindrances contrary to the teaching which the Roman believers have learned and to turn away from them. Here's why, verse 18, for such men are slaves not of our, of, of our Lord Christ but of their own appetites and by their smooth and flattering speech. They people who cause divisions and uh, hindrances and people to sin and to rebel they're smooth in their speech. They come across as your best friend. They're nice, but what they're saying is against the Word of God. So don't go by their smooth and flattering speech. Listen to the content of what they have to say. And many Christians lack discernment, and they fall for these sweet talkers that are all over Christian television, by the way, and they're all over the Internet, and their books sell a lot, but they could, they could care less about the Word of God. They'd rather make a, a buck off of you. So it says, and by their smooth and flattering speech, they deceive the hearts of the unsuspecting, as we'll see tomorrow. Unsuspecting means naive, lacking discernment. Now, Romans 16, 17, people, marks a transition from the previous paragraph in verses 3 through 16 to the paragraph that follows in Romans uh, verses seven, uh, 16, verses 17 through 20. So in the previous paragraph, Paul sends greetings to people. We just finished that. Now he's going to a new paragraph that deals with the issue of false teachers and our attitude toward them who, and by their teaching, cause divisions and Christians to sin and to go into apostasy. Now he says, I urge, in verse 17, now I urge you, brethren, I urge is the word parakaleo, it's a present active indicative form of that verb, and it means to warn here. Because Paul's giving admonishing advice or advice that instructs the Roman believers of the danger of false teachers coming into their midst and causing divisions and temptations contrary to the teaching they have received. When he says you, I urge you, or I warn you, he means the Roman believers, when he says you there, he's referring of course to the Roman believers as a corporate unit. He's talking about them also in a distributive sense, meaning I'm warning each and every one of you. It would be like, for instance, if I was talking to my audience right here, and, and, and also on Pound uh, Talk, in a distributive sense, I'd say each and every one of you and point to every single one of you. That's what Paul's saying here in writing with this word, the personal pronoun C, which is translated you in your Bibles. Then he calls and he addresses the Roman believers as brethren. Excuse me, that's the word athelphos, which means a fellow believer, a fellow Christian, or you could actually translate it spiritual brother or sister. I think the, the Net Bible does that. I do that as well. That is a correct translation. So he says, I warn you, or I urge you, brethren, he's saying, my fellow Christians, my brothers and sisters in Christ, my spiritual brothers and sisters in Christ, I'm warning you about something here. Pay attention to what I'm saying to you because it's good. It could, if you don't listen to what I have to say, it could be detrimental to your spiritual life and you could go AWOL from the plan of God and never know what hits you. Now when he says keep your eye on, that's the word scopeo, which means to keep a watchful eye on those individuals who cause divisions and temptations contrary to the teaching that the Roman believers received from their pastors and the Apostle Paul in this epistle. Now, he says, I urge you, or I warn you, my spiritual brothers and sisters, to keep a watchful eye 
on those who cause dissensions. Now, dissensions is the word theostasia, which theostasia means divisions, and it refers to that which is caused in the Christian community by false teaching. Now, listen to me carefully. Though Paul doesn't explicitly identify these individuals here, he doesn't say who they are. Though he doesn't identify them specifically, his teaching in Romans chapters 2 through 4 does strongly suggest that he's referring to the Judaizers because in these chapters in the book of Romans we saw, those chapters are designed specifically to refute their legalistic teaching. Remember in Romans chapters 2, 3, and 4, he, he says you're saved by grace through faith in Christ, not by keeping the works of the law. That, those people who taught that you had to get saved by keeping circumcision or keeping the law, those individuals were called the Judaizers. They were against Paul and his, and his grace teaching. They were against the mystery doctrine for the church age. They didn't I recognize it. And they were, uh, they were individuals that were legalistic in their teaching. Now, further suggesting that Paul's referring to that which is caused by the Judaizers' teaching is that Paul's epistles and the book of Acts reveal that the Judaizers caused division in the churches that Paul established from Jerusalem to Illyricum. In particular, their teaching caused divisions in Galatia, which Paul addressed in the Galatian epistle. So, these Judaizers are referred to, they're not, the, the, the theologians use the term Judaizers, though the term's not found in the Bible. Judaizers identifies the, their teaching. They say, they want to Judaize you. They want you to get, get you under the law. Get you circumcised. That's what the first church council in Acts 15 was all about. So theologians called them the Judaizers. And they were composed of both Jew, uh, Jewish Christians and, and, and Jewish unbelievers. And they, were, they taught strict adherence to the 613 mandates in the Mosaic Law. And the Galatian Gentile churches, they fell victim to this teaching. They fell victim to it, and they caused all kinds of problems in the churches in Galatia, and the epistle to the Galatians is addressing that issue and the teaching. So let's take a, go to Galatians chapter 1. Let's take a little perusal of the book of Galatians to give us a little idea of the damage that the Judaizers did in the Galatian churches, which were predominantly, of course, Gentile. Look at Galatians chapter 1. Galatians chapter 1 verse 1. Paul, an apostle, not sent from men, nor through the agency of man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brethren who are with me, to the churches of Galatia, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins, so that he might rescue us from this present evil age, an evil age that we're still in, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forever forevermore. Amen. Now listen to what he says. I am amazed, I'm astonished, that you were so quickly deserting him who called you by the grace of Christ 
for a different gospel. There are other there are people out there saying they're preaching the gospel, but they're talking not the gospel of Jesus Christ, but they're talking another gospel, a different gospel of a different quality and character. In our day and age, it's the prosperity gospel, all about money, all about relationships, and how they they have the um, uh, if you have enough faith, you will be able to get that the name and claim it, name it and claim it crowd. Those the guys like Copeland and those guys, they're individuals that are teaching a different gospel. They're all, they're not talking about salvation through faith alone and Christ alone. They're not talking about your union and identification with Christ and His death and resurrection. They're not talking about those things. They're talking about money and how you can make more money and be successful and get a relationship. They're all about trying to tickle people's ears. And we're to watch out for those people. And there are people out there, I call them the, the Christian Tony Robbins. This guy, he's out there, everybody knows, he's got this big church and just trots his wife out who, uh, and to, to make himself look good, I guess. And he has the Cheshire smile and he's got the, he's, the, he's got, you know, his, his, his big smile. He never, in his books, he never mentions Jesus Christ. That's a wolf in sheep's clothing. He's portraying himself as being Christian, and he might very well be a Christian. However, his teaching is false doctrine. It's nothing but trying to tickle people's ears, and people can say, well, Pastor Bill, you're judging. You're darn right I'm judging, because as a Christian pastor, I'm to warn you against those people, and I have a discernment. I know who these false teachers are, as I know my Bible, and they are false teachers that are out there, and I will protect protect my congregation. I will warn my congregation people who are hearing this teaching about individuals like that. So don't be gullible. Be wise as serpents and gentle as doves, as Jesus said. So he says in verse 6, I'm amazed that you're so quickly deserting him who called you by the grace of Christ for a different gospel, which is really not another, only there are some who are disturbing you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But look at he says, but even if we, or an angel from heaven, should preach to you a gospel contrary to what we preach to you, he's to be accursed. Notice that Paul doesn't care who he is. He could be another Christian. He's saying, let him be accursed. Because it's dangerous when you go against the gospel of Jesus Christ, when you go against the teaching of grace that's taught in the Bible, when you attack a pastor, you are going to get yourself in big hot water with God. So you need, to, you need to have discernment here. So he says in verse 9, And as we've said before, so I say now again now, If any man is preaching to you a gospel contrary to which, what you received, he's to be accursed. Notice he said it twice now. He's emphasizing it. For, I, for, am, for am I now seeking the favor of men or of God? Or am I striving to please men? If I was trying, still trying to please men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. Meaning, I am not a people pleaser. I am a God pleaser. And when you're a God pleaser and you live to please Jesus Christ, you're going to rub some people the wrong way. Most people the wrong way. Even brothers and sisters in Christ who are not positive of the Word of God, you're going to rub them the wrong way. But that doesn't matter. You, leave, you trust yourself to Jesus Christ and He will defend you. As we saw in Romans 12, leave room for the wrath of God. Now, the fact that Paul would use three chapters in this Roman epistle to refute the Judaizers' teaching, which his other epistles in the book of Acts reveal caused divisions in the churches, strongly suggests that this now, 
uh, that we saw in Romans 16, 17 that's translated dissensions in your Bibles is a reference to the divisions caused by the Judaizers' legalistic teaching. Now, who are the Judaizers again? They originated with the Pharisees. Did Jesus get along with the Pharisees? No. They were all about promoting the law, so much so that they would strain out a gnat and swallow a camel. They wouldn't let Jesus heal on the Sabbath. That's how crazy they were. They were they were strict adherents to the 613 mandates in the, in the Mosaic Law. They didn't know anything about grace. They knew nothing about grace. They knew their Bible, their Old Testament scriptures, the Pharisees. However, they didn't understand the message of grace. Jesus said, learn this, mercy and compassion I desire. And they would they would mistreat their brothers and sisters, they would mistreat their fellow human being and they would use the name. They would use the law to justify their mistreatment of other uh, other people, even Gentiles and fellow fellow Jews. Jesus said, "You're to love one another. Uh, you're to love your neighbor as yourself." And the Judaizers, the Pharisees, would use the law to to get around doing that. And this was something the Judaizers originated with the Pharisees, and they adhered to their teaching, and were composed of both believing and unbelieving Jews, as I said before. Who, who taught strict adherence to the 613 mandates found in the Mosaic Law, as well as the oral traditions of the rabbis, which are now documented in the Mishnah and the Talmud. Let me give you a little, in, a little insight into these guys. Go to, go to Mark's Gospel, chapter 7, where, the, where the, uh, the Judaizers originated from the Pharisees, and give you an idea of what the Pharisees were like in their teaching. Look at Mark, chapter 7. Look at verse 14. Oh, excuse me, uh, Mark chapter 7, verse 1. Mark chapter 7, verse 1. The Pharisees and some of the scribes gathered around him. It was like a wild pack of dogs. And dogs in the ancient world were not the domesticated we have, we have today. They were vicious and they could kill you. And they had come from Jerusalem. And he had, set, he had seen that some of his disciples were eating their bread with impure hands, that is, unwashed. For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they carefully wash their hands, thus observing the tradition of the elders. And when they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they cleanse themselves. And there are many other things which they have received in order to observe, such as the washing of cups and pitchers and copper pots. So they were concerned about the outward appearance of themselves, and they cared less about what was going in their heart. Listen to me. People involved that, and that will cause divisions with legalistic teaching or just cause divisions, pure, they're very much concerned about their outward appearance, how they portray themselves before people. And they're very, very disturbed in their heart where they do their thinking. Be, be careful. Don't be impressed by outward appearances. And uh, if, the, if the words and the actions are uh, spiritual, great. But don't go by outward appearances because that's what the Pharisees would do and they were always concentrating on trying to make themselves look good before the people. Now look at this in verse 6. And he said to them, Rightly did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites, meaning you're putting on a mask trying to pretend you're something that you're not, holy. As it is written, this people honored the Jews, honors me with their lips, but their heart is far away from me. People who cause legalistic teachers and uh, people who cause divisions, they are concerned not about honoring Jesus Christ, 
they honor their God with honor God with their lips, but their heart is far away from Him. Look at verse 7. But in vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the precepts of men. People who teach false teaching don't adhere to what the Bible teaches. They come up with their own ideas of how things should be. Uh, then it goes on to say, in verse 8, Neglecting the commandment of God, you hold to the tradition of men. He was also saying to them, You are expert at setting aside the commandment of God in order to keep your tradition. Now he gives an example. For example, Moses said, Honor your father and your mother, and he who speaks evil of father or mother is, not, is to be put to death. But you say, If a man says to his father or his mother, Whatever I have that would help you is Corbin, that is to say, given to God, you no longer permit him to do anything for his father or his mother. Thus, you invalidate the word of God, which says you're to honor your father and mother, by your own tradition, which you have handed down, and you do many things such as that. After he had called the crowd to him again, he began saying to them, Listen to me, all of you, and understand. There is nothing outside the man which can defile him if it goes into him. But the things which proceed out of the man are what defile the man. Verse 16 is not the original autograph. That's why it's in brackets in some of your Bibles. When he had left the crowd and entered the house, his disciples questioned him about the parable. And he said to them, Are you so lacking in discernment also? Do you not understand that whatever goes into the man from outside cannot defile him? Food. Because it does not, because it does not go into his heart, where he does his thinking, but into his stomach and is eliminated. Thus he declared all foods clean. And he was saying that which proceeds out of the man is that is what defiles the man. For from within, out of the heart of man, proceed the evil thoughts, fornication, thefts, murders, adulteries, deeds of coveting and wickedness, as well as deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. All these evil things proceed from within and defile the man. So the Judaizers, whose Paul's referring to in Galatians and, and Romans 16, 17, originated from these characters, the Pharisees. Now you can go back to uh, Romans well you can hold your, uh, you can go back to Romans 16 17 please. Romans 16 17 So again, the Judaizers, it's a, it's a name given by theologians, expositors of the scripture to a group of individuals that were Jewish, they originated from the Pharisees and they strictly adhered to the 613 mandates found in the Mosaic Law as well as the oral tradition of the rabbis, which are now documented in the Mishnah and the Talmud. Now, the New Testament scriptures describe the Judaizers with the following phrases. Dogs, evil workers, the false circumcision. Because they, they, they were basically, uh, they thought that circumcision of the body could save you. Uh, they're also called, in, in, in Galatians 5, 4, drift, there's, uh, they're said to be drifting off course from, from grace. In uh, Philippians 3, 2, they called dogs, evil workers, this false circumcision. In Philippians 3, 18, they called the enemies of the cross. And also, number four, they're, they're called in Hebrews 12, 15, coming short of the grace of God. Uh, you go to, uh, hold your place in Romans and go to Philippians chapter 3, verse 1. Philippians 3.1 Philippians 3.1 Paul says, Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things again is no trouble to me, and it's a safeguard for you. Repetition is good for you, he's saying. 
Now look what he says, referring to these Judaizers. Beware of the dogs. He calls them dogs because like they did to Jesus, they surround you. Okay? And I know what that's like to be surrounded by a bunch of legalistic people who are trying to tear you down. That is exactly what he's... The dogs in the ancient world were not like... Uh, uh, what's his name? That, that movie with... Um, uh, what's his name? Uh, Marley and me, okay? They're not, these dogs in the ancient world were not like Marley. They were vicious. They went around in packs. They could kill you. And they would surround you if you weren't careful. And so he's saying here, he's describing the Judaizers as being like that. He says, beware of the evil workers. Meaning, they reject the word of God, truth, and they're involved in evil. Independence from God. When you reject the word of God, that's evil. Why? Because evil is independence from God. Does Satan reject the word of God? Yes. He attacks it. So anytime you can tell who's influenced by the devil... By those, who, by those who attack the teaching of the Word of God and attack pastors and attack anybody who's teaching the Word of God, those individuals are being influenced by the devil and they're in dangerous, dangerous territory. Now look at it says in verse 2 again. Beware the dogs, beware the evil workers, beware the false circumcision. The Judaizers promoted circumcision for salvation and they, of course were wrong. Now, jump up to, uh, look at uh, verse 17. Look at Philippians 3.17. Philippians 3.17. Brethren, join in following my example, and observe those who walk according to the pattern you have in us. Meaning, we practice what we taught, follow my example. Then he says in verse 18, for many walk, meaning their lifestyle, of whom I have often told you, again he's referring to the Judaizers, and now tell you even weeping, that they are enemies of the cross of Christ. That means they reject the word of Christ. How can you demonstrate yourself as an enemy of the cross of Christ? Well, the Judaizers, what they would do is that they, they say that you're not saved through faith alone and Christ alone, but you're saved by circumcision or by keeping the works of the law, meritorious actions in obedience to the law. That rejects what Christ did. There's only one way to get to heaven, and that's through Jesus and His cross. And to reject that and say that you have to keep the law or circumcision to get saved is to attack the cross. I'll show you another way Christians and unbelievers attack the cross of Christ and are enemies of the cross of Christ. When they dig up other Christian sins or they gossip about other Christians. That because Christ nailed those, those sins were nailed to the cross past, present, and future. Every sin in human history, past, present, and future, was nailed to the cross with Christ. He paid for every sin in human history, past, present, and future, for every individual, both saved and unsaved. And to dig up another Christian, or gossip of another Christian, or repeat what another Christian did in his past, or to accuse another Christian of sin, is to be attacking the cross of Christ, because Christ paid for those sins. So where do you get off digging up somebody's sins? Or where do you get off accusing another Christian of sin? That's what the devil does. He does in Revelation 12.10. He accuses the brethren day and night. So you know when somebody's being influenced by the devil when they're involved in gossiping, judging, maligning, character assassinating. They're enemies of the cross of Christ. They reject grace. Grace says forgiveness. That means you don't bring up... You forgive somebody for what they did, you, did to you and you never mention it again. 
First Peter 4, 8, love covers a multitude of sins. Why, why is that? The cross covered a multitude of sins. The enemies of the cross of Christ like to dig up sins or manufacture sins or accuse people of sin. Beware of those people. Stay away from those people. Stay away from them. Avoid them. And let God deal with them because, listen to me, God will deal with them. So don't ever get involved and being an enemy of the cross of Christ. When you reject, when you reject forgiveness, when you are involved in gossip, judging, and maligning, when you attack the teaching of the Word of God, when you attack grace, then you're an enemy of the cross of Christ. So, he says in verse 18, For many walk of whom I often told you, and now even tell you weeping, that they're enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction. For the believer, that's divine, dying discipline. And for the unbeliever, it's the eternal lake of fire. Whose God is their appetite. Again, he's, that's what Paul mentions in Romans 16, 18. It, it's, it's, he's being sarcastic there. He's saying that they're, they're, it's referring to the, diet, the strict adherence to the dietary regulations in the Mosaic Law. Remember that the, Judea, that the Pharisees promoted. And then he says, Who ends is destruction, whose God is their appetite, whose glory is in their shame, who set their minds on earthly things. Those who cause division and teach false teaching, their minds are not set on the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Their minds are set on earthly things. Money, human relationships, that sort of thing. Now, the, uh, the Judaizers people are referred to in many passages in the New Testament. I've just brought you, brought you to a couple. They're mentioned in Acts 13.45, Acts 15.5, and Acts 17.5. 21.20, and also, as we read earlier, Galatians chapter 1, verses 6 and 7, Philippians chapter 1, verses 12 through 18, and also we just read in, in Philippians chapter 3, verse 2. Now, the Judaizers taught that one had to practice and observe the Mosaic Law in order to get saved. Whereas Paul taught salvation by grace through faith in Christ and not through the works of the law. Didn't he drive that home to us in Romans chapter 3 and chapter 4? Absolutely. Now, these individuals, this is interesting what these individuals did. They dogged Paul throughout his, miss, his missionary journeys. They sought to discredit him. Another individual, individuals who seek to discredit a pastor or anybody who or an evangelist, anybody who teaches the Word of God, they're just like the Judaizers were. They are legalistic and they are enemies of the cross of Christ and they're enemies of, of the Word of God. So the Judaizers followed Paul throughout his missionary journeys, seeking to discredit and destroy his ministry. You could do nothing against the Word of God. You could try to destroy it. You could destroy, try to destroy a pastor. You could try to destroy an evangelist. You could try to destroy a church. But you can never destroy the plan of God. You cannot do anything against the truth, but only for the truth, Paul taught. So... Paul denounces their teaching in the book of Galatians as we saw earlier in Galatians 1.6 and Galatians 1.7 when he said that they taught a different gospel and that they distorted the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, there's another factor that strongly suggests that Paul is speaking of the Judaizers when, uh, namely, that Paul uses the noun, uh, when he uses that term appetite there in Romans 16.17 or 16.18 to describe these individuals who cause divisions, which is the same word he uses in Philippians 3.19 to describe the Judaizers. So, and we just read in Philippians 3.19, appetite there, the, whose God is their appetite. If you look at Romans 16, look at verse 17. 
The same word for appetite in Romans 16.18 appears in Romans uh, Philippians 3.19. In Philippians 3.19, he's referring to the Judaizers. So if he, he uses this same word in Romans 16.18, thus he, another indication that he's speaking of the Judaizers as the ones causing divisions. Romans 16.17, Now I urge you, brethren, keep your eye on those who cause dissensions and hindrances, contrary to the teaching which you learned, and turn away from them, and then he says in verse 18, For such men are slaves, not of our Lord Christ, but of their own appetite. Same word that he, we saw in Philippians 3.19. In Philippians 3.19, that word was used of the Judaizers who taught strict adherence to the dietary laws in the Mosaic Law, as we, which we talked about in Romans 14, that study. And then he says, And by their smooth and flattering speech, they deceive the hearts of the naive, the unsuspecting. Now, if you look at verse 17 again, he says, Now I warn you, brethren, keep your eye on those who cause dissensions. And then he says, hindrances. Hindrances is uh, the word scandalon. It's used in, other, in Romans 9 of Jesus Christ. And, uh, and excuse me, not of Jesus Christ. It's talking about the Jews stumbling over Jesus Christ. And this word scandalon, here in Romans 16, 17, it means temptations to sin and apostatize. You know what apostasy is? Colonel Dean used the word reversionism. It's going in the wrong direction, antithetical to going in the planet, falling in the plan of God, advancing the spiritual maturity. Those Christians involved in apostasy or reversionism, they are going in the opposite direction of executing the Father's will. And it all pivots off of their attitude toward the Word of God. You reject the teaching of the Word of God. You reject uh, discipline, systematic study of the Word of God. And you, go far, and you get lazy in your thinking. And you reject the Word of God. You are going into apostasy. And that is a dangerous place because you get discipline there. You get warning discipline. Intensive disciplining. And then if you're really out in left field with God for a long time, He'll take you out like He did some of the Corinthians as Paul mentions in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Now therefore, in Romans 16, 17, Paul's warning the Romans not only to watch out for those for the divisions caused by the legalistic teaching of the Judaizers, but also watch out for their teaching since it will tempt them to sin and to go into apostasy if they adhere to their teaching. It would cause the Romans believers to sin and go into apostasy if they adhere to the Judaizers' teaching they would no longer, if they adhere to it, they would no longer be living their lives according to the Lord's teaching and that of the apostles and would no longer be living according to God's grace and no longer living by faith. So, if we don't... Everything, everything in your spiritual life is about your attitude toward the Word of God. Everything pivots... Your growth spiritually is, deter, is determined based upon your attitude toward the Word of God. If you reject what the Bible says... For instance, uh, people reject you. You see it in all areas. Uh, people reject the authority of the pastor. The pastor is authority according to the Word of God. You're supposed to obey your leaders, not a board of directors. The board of directors is not found in the Bible. The pastor, and you're to honor him. First, that works hard teaching the Word of God. First Thessalonians 5, 11 and 12. Hebrews 13, 7 and 17. Obey your leaders who keep watch over your soul. People who reject the Word of God, they'll reject that teaching. Uh, there are people who, uh, for instance, the, the, uh, women, they're, they're told in the Bible that, that Paul says in 1 Timothy 2.11-15, I don't allow a woman to have authority over a man. Why? 
Adam was created first, then the woman, and then Eve was deceived. So, but people reject that. Why? Because they're rejecting... The, not, they're not rejecting the man who's teaching it. They're rejecting Jesus. Because that's his doctrine. They're rejecting the Holy Spirit. They're rejecting the Son of God. They're rejecting God the Father. That's why I never, ever... Take it, I'll never take it personally. I might get hurt. My feelings might get hurt. But I really, when I think about it, it's not me they're attacking. As they said to the as, Je as the Lord said to the prophet Samuel, they've not rejected you. They've rejected me. Moses knew that. They rejected, not you Moses, they, Israel rejected me, the Lord. So I don't take it personal to that extent, because I know that I'm t I was sent by Jesus, and that Jesus, and I know His Word, and I'm teaching His Word, and if they reject the teaching, they, hey, they're rejecting the Lord. The Lord will deal with them. I, don't I, I pray for them, but I'm not going to take it so personal. I understand that I'm teaching His Word and not my own ideas. That's why I give you chapter and verse. That's why I go back to the original language. I, I, and you might say, I don't need that, Pastor Bill. That's another bad attitude to have. You should know. You should know, because there's people in denominations today who just tell me whatever you say, Pastor Bill, I'll believe you. That's laziness. That's why I go to chapter and verse. I give you the original language. Because I'm trying to show you where I'm getting this from. It's not coming out of my hat. And you shouldn't say, well, I implicitly, I just implicitly agree with you, Bill. Well, that's laziness. Because what you need to, you need, when I'm teaching, you need to make sure for yourself that what I'm teaching is the truth and not something that's incorrect. Okay? And you have the spirit to discern that. But you need to. You need to put the work. You need to be engaged in the teaching of the Word of God. It's good to ask questions. It's good to sit there and, and, and check out these chapters and verses that I have. Check out what I have to say. That's good. That's, that, that's like the noble Bereans in Acts chapter 17 who checked out the Old Testament scriptures that Paul gave them that was defending the Messiahship of Jesus Christ. So we, we don't want to be... Uh, when you reject, when, you know, you can reject the word of God by being a passive listener. Just, just, just give me the abridged version, Pastor Bill. Let's just fly through Romans in three nights, okay? I'm sorry. Go to another guy to do that. I'm not doing that because the word of God is precious, and we are not going to treat the word of God like it's McDonald's fast food. We're going to treat it like Biagi's. That like a, a tremendous meal, a succulent meal that, uh, that, that, that somebody has prepared for you, a five, seven course meal. That's how we should treat the Word of God. And when we get the attitude that, that oh, just give me the brief reversion of Pastor Bill, well, you know what, that is telling me that you got an attitude problem. Because, an at, or, or maybe you're just, I don't know, you got an attitude problem. Because if I hear the Word of God, I don't care what the guy's style is, if he's teaching the Word of God, I want to hear it. Okay? I want to read it. I don't care who it is. Okay? It's, it's the Word of God, and you need to show it respect. The false teachers that Paul's warning about in Romans 16, 17, and 18, they're not conscientious toward the Word of God. They could care less about being accurate in their teaching. They are up to, they're more interested in expounding upon their own ideas and their own human viewpoint. Like I mentioned that, uh, that the Christian Tony Robbins that you all know who I'm talking about. Okay? So, look at Romans 16 and 17. We're coming to the end here. <clears throat> Is that 
Is that the ice cream truck outside? <laughs> Tyler, go run out there and get an ice cream for you. No, we'll get it later. Romans sixteen seventeen. Now I urge you, brethren, <clears throat> or warn you, keep your eye, or keep a watchful eye on those who cause divisions and hindrances. And then he says, contrary to the teaching which you learn, and turn away from them. Now, contrary to the teaching is composed, it's a prepositional phrase in the Greek. We have the preposition para, which is translated contrary to, that's correct. And then we have the articular accusative form of the noun thithahi, uh, and that is translated teaching. Thithahi refers to the content of the teaching of the Lord Jesus Christ and the apostles that was passed down to the pastors in Rome and communicated to the Roman believers and is now in your Greek New Testament. It refers, this word refers, to instruction concerning Jesus Christ, his teaching, i.e. Christian doctrine, or in other words, it refers to a set of truths and practices to be learned and obeyed that would that originate with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Now this word thithahi would also include information regarding the meaning and significance of the spiritual and physical deaths of Jesus Christ, as well as the meaning and significance of his burial, his resurrection, ascension, and session, and how these effect, how these facts apply to the Roman believers, positional truth, which we've studied a lot. Now this word is the object of the preposition para, as I noted earlier, and this preposition func functions as a marker of that which is contrary to what would should be what, uh, contrary to what should be. This indicates to us that Paul is warning the Romans to avoid the Judaizers' legalistic teaching because it's contrary to the teaching of the Lord and the apostles. The Scriptures also emphasize the importance of avoiding false doctrine. There's several passages that talk about that. I want you to go now to First Timothy chapter six. Look at First Timothy chapter six. Hold your place, hopefully. No. First Timothy, First Timothy chapter 6. So, when I talk about the teaching of the Word of God, that's Bible doctrine. Doctrine means teaching, it talks about teaching. And you'll hear me say, use the term Bible doctrine. The gospel is another synonymous for it. Uh, word of God. They're all synonymous terms. They just talk about the Word of God and from a different perspective. Now, doctrine it emphasizes something that's systematic that's being presented to you. A systematic, it's a, a set of beliefs of the Christian faith when we talk about Bible doctrine. But Paul was very concerned that Timothy, a young pastor, adhere to the teaching that he was given and to be faithful to that teaching that Paul gave him. And look what it says in 1 Timothy 6.1, All who are under the yoke as slaves are to regard their own masters as worthy of all honor, so that the name of God and our doctrine will not be spoken against. Those who have believers as their masters must not be disrespectful to them because they are brethren, but must serve them all the more because those who partake of the benefit are believers and beloved. Teach and preach these principles. If anyone, listen to what he says, if anyone advocates a different doctrine and does not agree with sound words, those of our Lord Jesus Christ, no, it's the word of God, is the mind of Christ, and with a doctrine conforming to godliness, he is conceited and understands nothing. 
but he has a morbid interest in controversial questions and disputes about words out of which arise envy, strife, abusive language, evil suspicions. People involved in false doctrine are involved in disputes about words. They have envy, they have strife, they have abusive language, and they're evil suspicions. That's people who are involved in false doctrine. Can I have an amen for that? Where's Wayne when I need him? And constant friction. You can tell these people are involved in false doctrine. Paul's giving us descriptions of the things they're involved in. Constant friction between men of depraved mind and deprived of the truth who suppose that godliness is a means of gain, profit. But godliness actually is a means of great gain when accompanied by contentment. So, the scriptures emphasize the importance of avoiding false doctrine. Paul warned his students to hold fast to the doctrinal instruction that they had received from him. Uh, look at the Second Timothy. Look at Second Timothy. You're in First Timothy. Look at Second Timothy chapter 1. Look at verse 13. Second Timothy 1.13. Second Timothy 1.13, Paul says to Timothy, this, these are the last words that Paul spoke to Timothy, or wrote Timothy, because he gets decapitated in 68 AD. He wrote this in his second Roman imprisonment. In 68 AD, he died not too long after he wrote this. So these are the last words of a dying man. Retain the sound doctrine, the standard of sound words, retain the standard of sound words, which you have heard from me, in the faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. Guard, through the Holy Spirit who dwells in us, the treasure which has been entrusted to you. You are aware of the fact that all who are in Asia turned away from me. Among them are Figelis uh, uh, and Hermogenes, and uh, the Lord grant mercy to the house of Anesiphorus, for he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains, but when he was in Rome, he eagerly searched for me and found me. The Lord grant to him to find mercy from the Lord on that day, and you know very well what services he rendered at Ephesus. But notice in verse, verses 13 and 14, which retain the sound doctrine, where they guard it, because it can be taken away from us if we don't guard our souls. How do you guard your soul? Listen to the Holy Spirit. Uh, listen to your Bible. Be a student of the Word of God every day. Take in the Word of God every day. Be disciplined about it. Because if you don't, you're going to you are at risk the danger of losing that which you've acquired, the Word of God. Now go back to Romans 16, 17 and we'll wrap this up. Romans chapter 16, verse 17. Romans 16, 17. Now I urge you, or I warn you, brethren, spiritual brothers and sisters in Christ, to keep a watchful eye out for those who cause divisions and hindrances, or uh, the uh, instances to, apostasy, uh, to, to sin and to enter into apostasy, contrary to the teaching which you learn. Notice you've got to stay away from the people who are rejecting the teaching of the Word of God. Don't, it doesn't matter who they are. And he says, turn away from them. Now when he says... Contrary to the teaching which you learned, learned is the word manthano, and it refers to acquiring information as the result of instruction, whether in an informal or a formal context. We're in a, we're in a formal context. 
and uh, we can, or you could actually almost say it's an informal in a sense, but no matter how you receive it, whether it's sitting on a countryside getting taught the Word of God, or sitting in someone's house, or sitting in a chapel of a building, of a church, this, is, this word is talking about receiving instruction, Christian instruction, teaching in the Word of God. Now this word indicates that they, the Roman believers, which have rejected the teaching of the Judaizers, which is contrary to the information they received about the Christian faith through instruction from their pastor teachers in both the f formal and informal settings. So if someone says that you can lose your salvation, you have to stay, get away from them. Reject that teaching, he's saying. Because the Bible teaches that you have eternal security. There's now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. Romans 8.1 we We're justified through faith in Christ. We have peace with God. So this is talking about eternal security. The Father, no one can snatch the believer out of my hand, Jesus said. Out of my Father's hand or my hand. That talks about the omnipotence of God protects the believer. That's John's Gospel, chapter 10. So with anybody who rejects that, you're to stay away from them. Reject them. Avoid them. You might want to say, and show chapter and verse and say, hey, you're wrong here and show them. But if they reject it, stay away from them. And I, that's why I will never allow, I never allow, and I've, I've had problems with people in the past. I said, I'm not going to allow a certain pastor to teach my congregation when I don't even know what he teaches. I would be irresponsible of me to let my flock listen to a guy I don't know anything about. If I know what he's teaching, fine. And if I agree with his teaching, fine. But if I don't, he ain't coming in front of my congregation, period. That's what a shepherd does. He tries to protect the flock. He should be willing to lay his life down for the, for, the, for the flock of God. Now he says, turn away. Turn away is the word eklino, which means that the Roman believers were to purposely avoid association with the Judaizers and those who adhere to their teaching. Listen to me. I avoid people who reject the word of God, who are antagonistic toward it. I will avoid them. I don't have anything to do with them. I pray for them. I love them. But they're under discipline. If you reject the Word of God, you're under discipline. Listen to me. You reject the Word of God, whether it's me or you, or anybody, doesn't matter who you are, you will be under discipline. You, that, that would be like uh, Titus and Jody saying to their uh, Tyler and, and, uh, and Cheyenne, I want you to mow the lawn, I want you to do this, and they totally reject the Word of their parents. What do you think? You're not going to have any fellowship with your parents if you disobey them, right guys? And so therefore, can I have an amen for the parents? And so that this is the same thing in God's family. If you reject His Word, okay, you're in the discipline. Just like Titus and Jody would discipline their children if they rejected, their children rejected the, their Word. So this avoidance, people, as we close, and having no contact with false teachers was taught and practiced by the apostles and their disciples. And I want you to I want to go to one more passage, maybe. Yeah, go to one more passage. Go to you don't have to hold your place. Go to Matthew chapter seven. Matthew chapter seven. And we'll close. Matthew chapter seven, verse fifteen. The Lord Jesus Christ, this is part of his Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 7. Matthew 5, 6, and 7 is the Sermon on the Mount. It's his disc, one of his major uh, discourses that he had in his ministry. And he warns about false teachers at the end of this discourse. 
He says in Matthew 7.15, Beware the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing. They come and they look very present, very appealing. They look good. They talk nice and sweet, as we'll see tomorrow. Don't, don't judge them based upon appearance. You judge them by their doctrine. Just because a guy up there, he's very eloquent, and, he's, and he says he's teaching the Word of God, and he's very eloquent, but he doesn't go give you chapter and verse. He knows nothing about the original languages. He has no concern about teaching in a systematic fashion. He doesn't mention Jesus, or he teaches you can lose your salvation. You reject those people. Don't bathe. They're, they're false doctrine. They're wolves in sheep's clothing. Look what he says. He says... Beware the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. That's referring to their teaching. Grapes are not gathered from thorn bushes nor figs from thistles, are they? So every good tree bears good fruit, but the bad tree bears bad fruit. Application, a false teacher produces false doctrine, which is evil, and a good teacher of the Word of God produces good fruit, good teaching, and he has, and it's, and, and we can see the manifestation of that by those who are benefited from his ministry, and that they grow to spiritual maturity, they grow up spiritually. Look at verse 18. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit, nor can a bad tree produce good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down. God will judge false prophets and false teachers. And he says, and they're thrown into the fire. So then, you will know them by their fruits, their teaching. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father, who is in heaven, will enter. There's some guys on television, they're healing some woman of a, she has a, a, a she has a spastic colon. And, oh, I see, she's being healed of that right now. They bring them on stage, and they're, they're supposedly healing people, and they're speaking in tongues, and they're doing all, they're do, jumping through hoops. And they, they present themselves as holy to the naive. You can fool a, a person who lacks discernment. But a person who knows his Bible has discernment and can tell that's a wolf in sheep's clothing. Why? Because they're always begging you for money. They're always trying to be in your back pocket, and they're they're always charging for their teaching. They're always they're always looking to uh, that, that that's what their emphasis is trying to make money. Look what it says, verse twenty one. Not everyone who says to be Lord Lord will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. Many will say to me on that day, Lord Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast your, in your name cast out demons? And in your name perform many miracles. Many people are doing things in Jesus' name, but are not according to His will. In fact, the devil's behind these false uh, uh, miracle workers. False miracle workers. Look at verse 23. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. So that's Jesus' attitude toward false teachers, false prophets, which is uh, Paul reflected here in our study of Romans 16, 17. We're going to have to pick this up with verse 18 tomorrow evening. So with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, let us pray. Father, we just thank you and thank you and praise you for this instruction in Romans 16, 17 and other passages warning us, warning us about those who cause divisions and hindrances contrary to the teaching which we have learned in, your, in our Bibles and to turn away from them. We thank you, Father, for protecting us from false teachers. And we thank you for the gift of the Spirit and your Word to give us discernment as to identify those who teach false doctrine and those believers who, are ca who cause divisions and dissensions contrary to 
the Word of God. So, Father, we just pray that this class would be a great blessing to the body of Christ. We also pray, Father, that you would give us traveling mercies on the way home and the fellowship after service would be bringing glory to you and your Son, Jesus Christ, and empowered by the Holy Spirit. And our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen.